0: John Clayton.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios.
0: Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton.
1: We are pleased to be joined by Jacob Hollister. And so, Jacob, I mean, everything has gone so well for you since coming over in the trade from New England. You get a chance to uh, go and play the Patriots and all that stuff. What was that experience like?
2: Oh yeah, it was a crazy experience. You know, that was my first time, obviously switching teams, going from Boston to here. But um, at first, it was a whirlwind. I think the the part that I didn't realize is how quick everything happened because it was really, you know, two two hours from here, and I'm getting traded to leaving on the plane. And and so, uh, you know, definitely missed missed a lot of my teammates there and, and friends that I made while I was there over the two years. But from the second I got here in Seattle, I've just loved it. I uh, love the organization, love the coaching staff, the players, and it's really just been an incredible experience.
1: You know, one thing that's been in the back of my mind this entire offseason and training camp is that <laughs> I was I was thinking that maybe there was a chance that, you know, Bill Belichick would trade back for you, considering what's been going on there at tight end, because, I mean, you come here, you start off in the practice squad, you get on the roster, and you caught more passes Com- compared to three tight ends that on the team that you left and you, you have more catches than the three tight ends on the on the with on the Patriots last year how unusual was that
2: uh, yeah I mean it's pretty wild. obviously I'm I'm never comparing too much to other teams but um it was obviously a huge blessing to just be able to make an impact last year and come over here and I uh, get bumped up from the practice squad and you know a lot of that just has to do with being surrounded with Uh, great players and coaching staff so um, it was awesome it was an awesome year but I've never I've definitely never thought about that scenario
1: yeah but that was absolutely amazing part it's like i mean here you had less games than the three tight ends that are were on the roster last year and of course they've revamped All everything right. ben watson retired i mean you got ryan izzo and two rookies there right now and so i always thought in the back of my mind gee is there a chance that bill calls you back because as we talked about and you told me last year in camp it's like you've got four five five speed in the 40
2: yeah definitely yeah it's uh it's one of those things you know you, you obviously never know what to expect in this business but i'm ready for whatever i love being here in seattle and um we'll see but but yeah just uh, thankful to be here
1: what worked out so well for you when you got the chance to play and get the catches that you got sorry what'd you say what was what worked out for you so well in the chance once you got on the field got a chance to play a lot and then be able to make a catch i mean what advanced in your game
2: um man god's just been good in my life and i feel like uh you know the nfl in general is is about opportunity and uh once you do get an opportunity to make the most of it and so i think you know that first two years that i had i did a lot of learning over in new england and then um a lot of learning here in my in my months that i spent here before training camp um and then when i had the chance to go out and, and play and play a lot of snaps then you know obviously making the most of it and you know, obviously, a lot of that goes to, like I said, being surrounded with an incredible organization, along with um, players. You know, making plays, and, and obviously having one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, um, you know, it's, it's been it's been awesome, and I've been surrounded by a lot of great people.
1: What does Russell Wilson do to get the most out of the people that catch the ball, and even yourself? What what does he do that's so good? Because it seems like he's able to elevate the play of just about anybody catching the ball when he throws it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. He's he's extremely, extremely accurate. Um, and you know that he's always going to make a play. So the play's never dead when, when Russ is taking snaps. So you just know uh, that you're always going to have an opportunity to catch a ball, and you know that he's always going to make a play. So um, I think he, he does such a good job of, of getting every guy ready, where it's it's not like he's just, he's just spending time with the starting lineup and, and talking to those guys. He's talking to every single player. On the team that may have an opportunity to play, whether that's practice squad or, or guys on the fifty-three, so he does an incredible job uh, of doing extra meetings, spending time. I mean, the, the amount of time that he spends getting guys ready uh, is just you can't compare it to anything I've ever I've ever known. So, um, yeah, it's like you said, he just does a great job of elevating guys around him.
1: What thing did he do individually with you? Because one of the things that seemed like is that uh, he was able to get. Quick passes to you, particularly while you're on the run. What what did he do?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I think a big part of that is just having trust. So you know, you build that trust, uh, just seeing the field the same way. So when you and the quarterback, you know, you know, especially me being a former quarterback, and you guys just being on the same page when it when it comes to uh, hot sites, uh, just feeling zones um, and voids in the defense. When you're on the same page, that's just when magic happens, and and you're able to, you know, find those voids and and, uh, and get the ball out quick. So that's what we did a lot last year.
1: I know when you look in the room and uh, you see the rest of the tight ends, how good is this group of four tight ends that you're around, including yourself?
2: It's great, man. It's been, uh, yeah, it's awesome to have. We have an incredible tight end room, Um, and obviously, Greg, you know, being one of the all-time best uh he's just done a great job i've learned a lot from him already um and obviously my former time of being with gronk too so i've been surrounded with some great tight ends and um you know my whole career has just been a huge blessing because i've been surrounded by some great tight ends where i feel like it's just going to benefit my career so uh one way or the other uh i'm I'm really glad that greg's here i'm really glad that we have as many good tight ends we do it's been awesome
1: I'm sure you learned a lot from Rob Gronkowski, who, of course, uh, one of the reasons he's so good, he went to my high school. But uh, you learned a lot from him. But uh, what, what are you learning from Greg Olson? Because I think he's one of the best considered in the game, particularly when you have a zone a, a zone defense out there.
2: Yeah, he's just uh, – he's, he's got a coach's mind. So you just – you know, you're out there with him, and he wants to know why everything is the way that it is, why we're running certain plays, why we're – why are we doing this formation – so it's not just, he's not just wondering about his job. He wants to know why everything's going on. And that's really, you know, elevated my thinking to where, um, I'm realizing, okay, I want to, I want to know more about what other guys are doing and why we're doing it and scheme, um, rather than just trying to perfecting what I'm doing. So yeah, he just, I'd say he's just got to coach his mind. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. Um, and he just applies that to the game every day.
1: As you looked at this game on Sunday night, are you going to have to almost go around and get a name tag for the linebackers and two of the new safeties? Because here's a team that four of the top five linebackers are no longer with the team, at least uh, this yeah. year. And then two of the top three safeties and Danny Shelton. I mean, are you going to have, you, can you recognize any of these guys, particularly a linebacker?
2: <laughs> well, I know Bentley. Okay. Uh, he was there. He was there right before I left. Uh, really good dude and a good player. But yeah, they got some different names out there and, um yeah that's I mean that's the name of the game you gotta you gotta learn the new players and there's always guys coming in and out so uh we just gotta keep track of those guys but yeah they had a lot of players obviously you know opt out and change throughout this offseason
1: yeah and of course I mean when you talk about Bentley I guess he got the green dot so he's taken over the Dante Hightower role which I guess is a tribute yeah. to him so he he's but of course everybody definitely. else is new
2: <laughs> yeah definitely no it's you know um it's a big attribute to him to to be able to take that spot, and that's, that's a big shoe to fill with Hightower gone because he's obviously a big big time guy for them. So,
1: and finally, what what else are you looking forward to in this game on Sunday night?
2: Man, I'm just looking. It's our first time out at uh, CenturyLink, so I'm just I'm looking forward to being at home. Um, obviously, playing a former team will be a lot of fun. See guys, a lot of, see a lot of the guys that I used to know, and uh, playing against them, so it'll be a great time. But yeah, first time at home, man, I'm just excited.
1: Oh, you got to be. Of course, no no crowds, but, hey, stay tuned. Maybe sometime in October there will be some people, because at least last week, even though the attendance was low, there was four teams that had uh, fans in the stands. And, of course, you know how it is here. Fans in the stands are pretty good. Hey, Jacob, thank you so much. Good luck on Sunday.
2: Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: That's Jacob Hollister does a good job and, you know, smart guy. And I think, like, you know, and I I always wondered now I had this in the back of my mind that, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, uh, when he has a good player and he trades him and he's I don't think he's afraid to bring somebody back. And I always kind of wondered, you know, had they not drafted two two tight ends uh, and only have Ryan Izzo that maybe they would call uh, on the final cut down and see particularly now that they have a lot of cap room and maybe try to get Jacob back because I think you can see I mean, he, his performance out here eclipsed any of the three tight ends and that includes Ben Watson who just retired and so Jacob Hollister a good player and it's going to be fun for him to be able to go against a team that he played for started for that gave him the chance and now you know puts him in a position right now where he's on a Seahawks team that they really like hey you can listen to the show via the 710 sports app it's powered by the dubin law group coming up next we're going to get the report card and get some grades going john clayton show 710 espn seattle
0: it's time for the report card with the professor and
1: the report card we bring out every day we look at the good the bad the ugly the smart the stupid what people say what people do we take the stories we take the anecdotes we take the social uh, media comments, and we also take what is the voices and attach a grade to it. Uh, DJ Wilder here. Uh, have a chance to giving us to, uh, what do we have on a report card.
3: All right. First up, John, uh, we weren't able to get to the story yesterday, but the NCAA Division I athletes have been granted an annual day off to vote and to participate in civic activities. So on Wednesday, they approved this measure that will prohibit Division one student athletes from practicing and competing on the first Tuesday after November 1st every year to allow them to vote in elections or participate in other civic activities. And several Division one schools, including Georgia Tech, Gonzaga, Oregon, and USC, already said they're canceling athletics activities on November 3rd to allow their student athletes to vote. John, what? Great, do you give the NCAA here?
1: I'll give them a B. I mean, they're doing the following what the NFL did, and the NFL although it's kind of funny that uh, they're giving every uh, everybody has to close their building on November 3rd, yet they're still going to have the trade deadline, which of course is November 3rd, which is election day. So uh, I'll give them a B because I think the idea is to vote. But boy, the thing that I still say is that uh, I would prefer it if everybody would vote by mail. Because if you vote by mail, you you don't have the problems that you might have, you know, with the virus and going to a a voting place. I mean, we're so fortunate here because, uh, you know, everything is by mail and they do such a good job. And I can verify that because my wife worked uh, in the elections office and they do such a great job. I just wish everybody had that opportunity. Now, more people do, even though some people on the different side say it's not a good thing. I think it's a good thing.
3: Yeah, I think it's a good thing, be sa- be, being able to vote safely. That's great. Um, yeah, I have to get the NCAA an A just because, you know, it, it's it's obviously right to vote. Like, it's your right to actually vote in the election and to allow these student-athletes just the day to vote. Whichever way they want to, whether it be by mail or in person or anything like that, I think it's good that the NCAA is giving these uh, student athletes and the coaches, of course, and everyone else that works within the programs a day off, just is just so that they can. Take the time out of the day to actually vote during the election because it is it is important to vote. I totally agree. It is, it is important. It is your right. So, hey,
1: by the way, we just found out that the Baylor game is now going to be uh, postponed because oh. of the virus. Oh,
3: great! All right, yeah.
1: Uh, it's like okay, so uh, Baylor Houston uh, first reported, and that's going to be, and it was another game that was canceled a little bit earlier.
3: It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how, especially the Big Ten, since they're they're yeah. trying to come back, and then the Pac-12 meeting today, the CEOs meeting today on trying to come back by October 24th or Halloween. It's gonna be really interesting to see how they analyze the Big Twelve, the ACC, and the SEC, and how they're handling coming back. Because then you also had the story er- earlier this week of Ed Orgeron saying like, "Oh yeah, all my players have contracted the virus in some way, shape, or form." Well, it's like. Well, that doesn't sound good. No, like it doesn't like that. And then you know you got the AD kind of mad at Orjan and everything, and then that's a whole another thing. But it'll be interesting to see now, especially with Baylor and Houston. That's one Power Five team and another team in the American Athletic Conference. That's kind of a borderline Power Conference. There, they, uh, they canceled their game. That's going to be really interesting to see, especially the Big Ten in the Pac twelve trying to come back. How they gauge uh, how these other conferences are handling it. All right. So next up on the report card here, John. Uh, Twins third baseman Josh Donaldson He was not a fan Of the strike zone of the umpire Yesterday in his game And uh, after he hit a home run He decided to show up the umpire By when he he crossed home plate He kicked some dirt on home plate Said something and was ejected Uh, Here's the audio here for you
0: That's a strike Donaldson's not going to like it Donaldson to left field and he sends it out of here. He came across the plate and Dan Bellino ran him on the way back. He leaves home plate happy and then he leaves the ball game after that. Don't walk away in anger philosophy. Yeah, that's, um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's not bright.
3: So yeah, he kicked dirt on the, on home plate as he crossed home plate. He was ejected. Then he came back, started yelling the umpire, and kicked more dirt on the home plate. Oh. John, what grade do you give Josh Donaldson uh, a, trying a, to show a, up the umpire?
1: Just an absolute F. I mean, because that's inexcusable, and they come back a second time, I don't know what the standard uh, ejection uh, is going to get as far as a suspension. But I think in that case, if he's done it twice, he should double it. So if it's supposed to be you know a four game suspension, it should be eight. But that's just losing your cool unprofessional and it's just not a good thing
3: yeah see here's the thing i am all about the players celebrating as long as they're not showing the pictures like if they like they're humans are allowed to show much that isn't any sport you know football with the i'm glad that they were able to act back the team celebrations as long as they're not trying to show up the other team you know baseball with the bat flips and everything not trying to show up the other players but when you're doing something like that especially with an umpire like I mean, you know you're going to get ejected. If right. you say one word to the umpire about balls and strikes, you're going to get ejected. So, I mean, especially now when you kick Durham the home plate and you're yelling obscenities at him as you're leaving the batter's box. That's, I mean, yeah, I got to give Josh Donaldson an F. Usually I'm all four players showing emotion and everything, but not not in this context, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: I know. Crazy.
3: All right, so uh, this is a story following a story that we talked about yesterday, John, with Tiki Barber saying Saquon Barkley is not an every-down running back. Well, Saquon Barkley kind of took the high road here um, in his uh, presser press yesterday. Obviously, Tiki's a legend. um did a lot of great things for th- for this franchise. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to look at it as disrespect. I'm going to look at it as a challenge. And, um, but same thing with him. Um, like everyone else, they really don't care about outside opinions. I'm really only focused about
1: the pins in, in this building um, and try to come work every single day and get better.
3: Saquon could have easily taken the low road there and really talk trash about Tiki Barber, but it seems like he took the high road there, John. What's your grade?
1: Yeah, I'll give him a, I'll give him a, an A because I think he is very professional about it. I think it was a, a you know, again, I, I gave a good grade to uh, Tiki because, again, it's like he points something out. But, again, I still think there's a little bit of a selfishness there that Tiki has that, uh, you know, he that he came in there. So I'm going to give him I'll give him an, an A for being professional.
3: Definitely. I'll give him an A, too, because, like I said, again, especially for a younger player, and it probably didn't feel great to be called out by a Giants legend, and D.K. Harper especially. And um, the, for him taking the high road there, I, have, I already really like Saquon Barkley. I have a lot of respect, and that respect has increased for him after taking the high road there. It's interesting, though, John, when you look at the Giants just – I know he had a really good rookie year. He was hurt last year. He didn't. Oh, he didn't have a good opening game. Does he need to be on another team to really like have his abilities utilized to the fullest?
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, I, I, let's put it this way: Joe Judge did a, ho- a horrible job of not adjusting <clears throat> as the game was going on to all the blitzes and all that stuff. That was pretty bad. But uh, no, I think that uh, you know. You, you see it's like a you know how did that work for uh, Odell Beckham Jr I mean didn't necessarily work there in being able to get better
3: very true all right so the last story we got here John uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns yesterday won um, beat the Bengals on Thursday Night football and usually Baker Mayfield would take this time to really talk back to all the all of his um, critics and his haters and Michael Irvin was trying to bait him to do that. On the Thursday Night Football post game last night, and uh, I think Baker Mayfield as well as Saquon, Saquon Barkley took the high road here. Let's take a listen.
0: Hey Baker, man. Okay, listen. You know I love you, and I appreciate this 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 more mature, clean, stern, and direct at you. But a lot of people counted you out after Week One, and they were ready to get rid of get rid of everything. Man, you can you do you want this opportunity to get back at them? Right now, and just tell him slow down. You still here? No, uh,
2: I don't need to chirp back. Uh, but there's one thing in the Mayfield household is we don't forget, so that's it's a duly noted.
3: See, he even still says, "Well, it's been duly noted." Like yeah, you know, yeah. he still got a little bit. He still bit don't get
1: it. But, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't get it.
3: Yeah. So I mean, like I, I really liked um, his interview. I think he did it during the Super Bowl. And he seemed very mature. He was taking all all the blame for the Browns' struggles through the first two seasons, especially last season. Um, but I, I he he started out good, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. so. What grade do you give him, John?
1: Uh, I'm going to give him a D because again, you know, it's like okay when things are going okay and you pull out a victory, then you have to have that memory that people are saying bad things about you. It's just let it go. I mean, you know, you can. he deserved the bad things because he was terrible last year. The team was terrible last year. They started out terrible last week. And just because <clears throat> you had an okay game and again, they didn't win the game. They won the game in part because Baker did well, but they won it more because Nick Chubb uh, <clears throat> ran the ball so well. Same thing with Kareem Hunt and the Bengal defense was so bad. And so it's like, okay, don't be uh you know again thinking through this because again last year he was all talk and not enough action. You want the action and so far you've only had it against a team that you were expected to beat. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a D.
3: Which by the way, I feel like last year they didn't even beat the teams that they were expected yeah. to beat. So it's weirdly a good first step in the right direction. I have to give him a C just because yeah like I, I do think I know the comment didn't seem like he's gotten more mature, but it does seem like he has learned from his mistakes. And I think with how Stefanski is really running the offense with this kind of run-first offense, because they have two really good running backs, and to really let Baker do great, good in the play action. Last night, he was 5 of 6 for 84 yards and a touchdown play action. And that's what he's always excelled at. And so I think I hope that... He has success in the play action, and I hope he can just continue to be mature. But right now, I have to give him a C. And that's all the time uh, we got for
1: greats. Okay, remember that the Seahawks will t- take on the Patriots this Sunday at seven ten, 10 And, of course, uh, that game will can be heard on the Mariners. So you can hear the game on 770 uh, KTTH, and that game will be in its entirety. Coming up next, we're going to go into Busy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions Call us at 710-710. And, of course, get the text collection in on the Busy Heart Seltzer text line. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming
0: live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: It's time to go into the Busy Heart Seltzer text line and take your text questions. You can text us at 710-710. So, what do we have, DJ?
3: All right, let's see here. From the 206, Professor, what is your final score prediction for the Patriots and Seahawks game?
1: Mm, I think it would be something like maybe... 24-17, Seattle. I think that uh, you know, it, but it may be one where the Patriots will have to try to bounce back in the second half and trail. But I think that it's not going to be a blowout. I mean, because again, you don't blow out Bill Belichick, and it's I think going to be a, a pretty decent game. You know, Cam Newton knows this team real well. He's lost eight, six out of eight games in the regular season against them. But I think the advantage goes to Seattle, and for Seattle to win, they need to score points in the first half and have the lead because with that running offense, it's still going to be hard for a, a team like the Patriots to have a comeback
3: from the 425 John do you think the Patriots will be more successful at stopping the Seahawks run game or passing game
1: well I think they'd be more successful in the passing game we'll see about the run <clears throat> because again what you're looking at is that they got three of the better cover guys you know they got Devin McCourty I mean they got a defensive player of the year at cornerback and Stephon Gilmore so that's where they're really gifted but also you're looking at a team that uh, you know lost four of its five top linebackers from last year along with the fact they're so young at linebacker and he also lost Danny Shelton who was a good run stopper so that's going to be the big difference and that's why I think that uh, what you're looking at is that uh, they'll need to run the ball more and I do think two tight end sets in fact I just looked this up you know last year the Seahawks ran uh, two tight ends 11 percent of the time and this year in the first game they had 18 of the 58 plays that they had at two tight end that's three times the difference and so i think that they're going to go a lot more tight end from the
3: 360 john will shaquille griffin have a better week this week
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so because again, he's not going against uh, Julio Jones. He's not going against uh, Curtis Ridley, and uh, you know they got it's a passing offense that really doesn't pass because again, this is a running offense, and so I I think he's going to be fine. I think people were overly critical of him because again, you know they just had to play off and just try to you know not allow too many big plays. And the one play that you know it looked like he got beat on was one where Jamal uh, Adams was able to make a mistake and cause that one. So no, I think he'll be fine.
3: Yeah, it's kind of hard to look good against guys like Julio Jones, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a little tough. Yeah, little uh, tough. From the 509, are Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick first ballot
1: Hall of Famers? Yes, I think so. Uh, and again, it just depends. You know, and, well, I, the one thing we still have to wonder about, and this could be a problem, because, and it would make them non—Belichick I mean, will make it, but for uh, we only have the coaching category at this moment for the next four years. And obviously, Pete's not going to retire. Belichick's not going to retire. And if any time you have a coach go against a player, if we don't get that coaching category back, then it's going to take some time
3: from the 425 what percentage chance do you give for george kittle playing on sunday
1: uh i'd say right now 25% i mean the fact that he didn't do anything uh, in the last couple of days now again i haven't got the injury report from san francisco today but uh you know it, it, it seems pretty ominous but i think you give him a chance so i'll give him only a 25% chance
3: from the 253 how do you see josh jacobs doing against the saints defense monday night
1: uh, I think it's going to be a tougher night. I mean, he's not going to be able to run through them because that's a good, good defense. And so I think it's going to be more of a 70-yard game than a 100-yard game.
3: All right, let's see. here.
1: are from the 4-2-5. Are the Saints a top-five defense? Uh... I'd, yeah, I'd, I do think so. I mean, maybe it's more top eight, top nine, but that's a good defense, you know, particularly knowing that, and again, I think what put it over the top was getting Janoris Jenkins on a waiver claim last year and putting him on the other side of Marcus Lattimore. You know, they've got, you know, a lot of first round investments on the defensive line. That's a good defense.
3: From the 3 6 there's two questions here, John, so I'll just ask you the first one for now. Do you see Carlos Hyde taking a larger role over Carson this season?
1: No, I think it's you know, Carson's the main guy. And, you know, it's not like it's a shared position. It's Carson. And he's the one that uh, is going to get the bulk of the carries. I just think in the first game, of course, you know, they wanted to take advantage of some of the passing problems that were there for the uh, the, the Falcons. And it worked. And they wanted to let Russ go. But overall, I'd say it's, you know, it's going to be pretty much like the normal breakdown. Maybe he'll get a little bit more than Rashad Penny. But this is still Chris Carson's team.
3: And then the follow-up question to that is, do the Seahawks have their 2021 running back on the current roster?
1: Uh, I think so. It's a matter that uh, you know if, the, if they can't get a long-term deal with Chris Carson, they can franchise him, and it'll be a little bit of a discount. So I'd say right now, yes.
3: From the 360, hi, John. Thanks for all you do. How will not having loud fans at the Seahawks game on Sunday impact the Seahawks defense and the Patriots offense? Uh,
1: I mean, it's not going to help the Seahawks defense because, again, it's like that crowd noise gets the false starts and there's no crowd noise. So that takes away one or two false starts that might happen. And certainly, you know, with a veteran quarterback like Cam Newton, I mean, he'll know how to navigate around it and that should help for the New England Patriots
3: from the 425 John do you see Will Disley's volume
1: increasing in week 2 I think so yeah uh, particularly uh, I do think now I don't know if they're going to take it to 40% as far as two tight ends but again 18 of 58 plays out of two tight ends last week I think you know it's probably going to be you know maybe 25 or 26 depending on how the game situation is going to be
3: from the 765 professor do you see the hawks matching up better with the patriots or the cowboys next week
1: They match up better against the Patriots because the Patriots, you know, I mean, here's where the big difference is. The Patriots arguably are worse at the wide receiver tight end position than they were last year. And Tom Brady was starved enough that he barely was able to get over 60 percent completions. You still look at the Cowboys and they got one of the best three receiver sets in football, Ezekiel Elliott. Now, they did lose Blake Jarwin, their tight end with an ACL injury. So that that does set them back. And they have a lot of injuries, but no, no, right now it's a tougher matchup, I think, against the Cowboys. But it's still not going to be easy against the Patriots.
3: From the two five three, were the Dolphins successful with any part of their game against the pa- Patriots in Week One?
1: Uh, I think they uh, did well in how they presented themselves when they were you know, with the anthem. I thought they did pretty well there. But no, I didn't see anything real good because you know they didn't seem to make any adjustments uh, to stopping the running game. You know they had uh, a real bad game i think overall against you know with their offense they couldn't do anything so i didn't see too much positive
3: from the 360 professor bobby wagner has owned cam newton in the past who has a bigger impact against him this week bobby wagner or jamal adams
1: uh i think jamal adams because where again bobby has done so well against him and will continue to do well against him but here's where the difference is if all of a sudden You know, uh, Cam wants to do the 15 runs, and Jamal can come up and hit him hard, and I don't not to a point of maybe an injury, but again, you know that impact of him running can do some good things. It could be the same thing for Bobby Wagner, but now that's triple trouble for Cam running the ball because if he goes in the middle of the field, you can get hit by Bobby Wagner, you can get hit by Jamal uh, Adams, you can get hit by Quandre Diggs.
3: From the four two five, can Kareem Hunt surpass Nick Chubb in touches
1: as the season progresses? Uh no. Uh Chubb's too good. I mean Chubb is just a really good running back. He's one of the best in the game. You know, Hunt is, you know, a good he could start on any team. He just got a you know six million dollar contract extension, but no, Chubb's the best.
3: From the two five three, Freddie Swain had a catch for seventeen yards and a fumble recovery, by the way, on that uh on that, muffed pun kind of, muffed fake pun, I guess, by the Falcons. Do you see his targets of production going up as the season goes on?
1: Mm, not really because, I mean, we'll see if Josh Gordon gets back and that's going to push him back a little bit. You saw that David Moore has done a good job. And, I mean, Swain's going to be in the same situation that you saw John Ursua last year. It's going to be hard, particularly now that they're going to use more two, two, two tight ends for any of the, the number five receiver to be able to you know get much opportunity. They'll get him out there just to, because they like him and he can do some things Things, but I think it's still going to be a struggle From the
3: 206 do you expect the Eagles to bounce back this week
1: uh yeah I do I mean they can't be as bad as they were in this past week but uh, still not going to be easy because again they have so many problems on the offensive line and I don't know how good they are at wide receiver and I don't think it's too good
3: and last question here from the 425 professor in, in anticipation of a more run heavy Patriots offense coming into Seattle this week Will we see more Jordan Brooks and less Leno Hill?
1: Mm, get, uh, maybe, yeah. Because uh, again, I think because they're not going to. Because remember, the one reason you see Leno Hill is that sometimes they'll be going dime defense and different things like that, a little more hybrid. But uh, yeah, I think that overall, you may see a little bit more Jordan Brooks and you will Leno Hill. But you're certainly going to see a lot of Jamal Adams and certainly going to see a lot of uh, Quandre Diggs. And that's all the time we got for texts. Hey, remember, the Seahawks will take on the... Pay- well, of course, remember, don't forget to uh, be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports App. Time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so... Uh, We got a big meeting today going on between the Pac-12 as they discuss maybe trying to see if they can put... Uh, people uh, on on the field in football for the Pac-12. They're still waiting word from the different municipalities to see if that's going to be permitted. But they want to try to go either the 24th or I guess maybe the 30th or so of October. But D.J. Wilder came up with an interesting stat that as of 1130 today that uh, there's been 29 FBS games that have been, you know, scheduled and what 16 have been postponed.
0: Baylor and uh, Houston just Baylor a few just, minutes yeah. ago in the in, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's a uh, interesting uh, decision that the Pac twelve will have to make in in this background. And and uh, it's basically one out of three games have been canceled. So uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure what's gonna if it's going to alter their thinking or not. But um, there's a lot of pressure on them to play. That's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. no doubt about it and of course uh they're they're really pressing and of course ucla usc campaigning but again in the typical way i guess you can say it is for the pac 12 they're still a little bit behind because they may if they start the season and do it the way they want to do it you know it may they may not be able to get a team into the the playoff rounds for the very true but
0: they, you know i mean they gotta at least look like or, or pretend that they're uh they're erring on the side of uh of player health and uh you know, it's it's still you know for me it's it's a tough thing in, in college as you're talking about uh, unpaid uh, unpaid athletes as opposed to professionals who are making money uh, and and taking that risk it's just uh, it's not quite the same thing for me but we'll see what they decide
1: yeah but that's that's a that's the fascinating thing about all this is that uh, you know I think the thing to put it over the top and that's is where there's I'm skeptical of the thinking and the way things are you know they were the only ones the Pac-12 and the Big Uh, and the Big Ten that talked about the heart problems that were there for anybody as a player or even a person that can get the virus. I mean, they kept on mentioning that, and that just threw them to a point where we're not going to go out there and do anything, and we're not going to play football, and now they just throw that out the window. I mean, what changed? And again, I never heard of the heart issue uh, until they brought it up.
0: Well, I mean, it's out there, John, because no one really knows what the the net result of this in in the long term is, and and its impact is beyond beyond the initial uh, infection. So it's, um, you know, that they and others have brought that up. There have been other questions about what is and what isn't uh, likely to happen to you after you contract contracted. The fact of the matter is, colleges are what we thought they would be. They've they become breeding grounds for it. There are hundreds, in some cases, thousands of new cases that have developed at universities. And, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to ramp up as you know, we're getting to the point where uh, the Labor Day numbers should start checking in. We've noticed in the last two days, overall cases have gone up uh, in, in the U.S., in fact, worldwide, although that's got nothing to do with the U.S. holidays and, and whatnot. So uh, it's, uh, it's, still a, it's still a very volatile landscape, I'll say that much.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, you just don't know. It's like, uh, have you watched much college football so far?
0: I have not. I don't know if you have. No, I, I I, I've not watched a whole lot. I've been, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch the, the postseason uh, baseball, basketball, and, and, and football, and then uh, seeing baseball play basically just a stretch-drive season along with the NFL. I haven't watched much college, to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah. You're going to watch any this weekend?
0: Uh, this weekend is going to be filled with, with, with the NFL and with, uh, you know, you got the Stanley Cup final set, and, and you've got two very interesting series in the NBA. Uh, with uh, Denver going, uh, I think that series starts today. As a matter of fact, you know, with the Lakers, and then Miami took another game from Boston yesterday. So, you know, my interest is on the pros.
1: Mm-hmm. Understood. And so, and speaking of the NBA. What's going? It continues just to be amazing as far as teams just choking down the stretch. I mean, better teams because now you had Milwaukee. Uh, they choked after having you know going out and uh, doing that, and the Greek Freak, of course, uh, you know he doesn't seem to be too happy. Then you have the Clippers blowing a three-one advantage in their series and losing out, and now the Boston Celtics they are down 0-2 to Miami, and one of their players ended up like was hearing all kind of curse words yelling at his teammates in the locker room.
0: Marcus Smart, and they were blaming that on Kyrie Irvin. Uh, yeah, that was after Boston had a pretty sizable lead in that game yesterday. And, they're you know, I don't like the way they play. They're not quite as bad as Houston, but they do a lot of standing around and shooting threes in Boston. And, and it came up and, and caught them. And, you know, Miami's got a different, different way of going about it. They're a much more uh, athletic team. As we talked about yesterday, they're a team that was in the lottery last year. They're a lot of fun to watch, led by Jimmy Butler, and, and they uh, they just plowed forward. So uh, you know Boston is is rife with that right now, and and you know Denver. Keep in mind, John, forty six and twenty seven. That's a good club. I mean, they're not a they're not a fluke in, in this finale against the Lakers. So it won't be a huge upset if they can do it. But um and, and they're playing hot. You know, it's, it's it's always impressive to rally from a three one deficit like they did, like they did against the Clippers. And I give him a good shot against the Lakers.
1: Yeah, kind of interesting. Word just came out of San Francisco that uh, the muhammad Sanu deal came through because he had to wait to go through the COVIDs program. But now they had to put Richie James on the injured list. He now becomes the seventh wide receiver that has made injured reserve or p- waived injured or PUP. Unbelievable. Wonder why? I don't know.
0: I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem to make much sense in terms of of, of injuries that, that, you know, that would be prevalent, uh, although, um, you knew they would be with, with, uh, with the, with just the, the difference in training camp and, and guys trying to get used to it. It was really good insight to be able to watch what they were doing on, on, hard knocks and getting a sense of how different it was for teams. And it's not just different. I mean, if, if teams had had, you know, a whole lot of time to prepare uh, instead of just a couple of months, you know, they, they, they'd have had their, and, and didn't have to worry about guys being separated in testing protocols they'd have had a, a much better plan in place. But, you know, they had to kind of do it on the fly. Uh, they dropped the preseason games without much warning. And and uh, it's remarkable, uh, two, two aspects. A, the, the the games have been played very, very well. And injuries, even though there have, been, there have been some, have not been as bad as they could have been yet.
1: Do you think that there's a chance that uh, <clears throat> the 49ers, with the injuries at wide receiver and cornerback, could lose one of these next two games uh, against either the Jets or the Giants?
0: Doesn't seem likely, John. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I mean, Particularly it, the Jets. I, I understand how shorthanded they are, but they've still got a lot of talent. They've still got a lot of ability. They've still got a pretty good defense, um, even with Sherman out too on that on that defense. But you know, the Giants and the Jets seem just terrible. Although you know, any given Sunday is the NFL's mantra, and and, and uh, we've seen that. We saw that certainly happen in Week One. So it's possible, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to the bank on it.
1: No. What's your thoughts on the Seahawks game coming up against the Patriots?
0: Just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, from from the one hand, you know you've got the, the best defense in the NFL last year, a defense with a great back line. It seems unlikely that the Seahawks' strategy would be the same to to have the run-pass ratio the way it was, uh, so, so favoring the pass against the Patriot defense. So that, that 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 that's so tough against the pass. You know, on the other hand, you've got a completely different look on offense, completely different look. I mean, you, you know, you throw away. 15, 16 years of, even more than that, of of tape on what the Patriots do on the offense because they don't do it anymore. None of it. You know, Bill Belichick has put in an entirely new system with Cam Newton. I think that they're going to try and control the ball. My my feeling is this is going to be more of an an old-fashioned style game. I think both teams are going to try and establish the run. Uh, I think uh, they both kind of have to. Uh, And certainly I think the Patriots are going to try and overpower the Seahawks with the run game. uh, So I'm I'm not saying I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but I think it's going to be a more physical, more run-dominated game than than, uh, they played in Week One.
1: Do you think Seattle wins? Uh,
0: They got a great shot at it. I mean, they got a great shot at it. I I guess you know the the, you know the the big X factor is is home field advantage, which is not the same thing. With the exception of just you know the difference in traveling, it's not the same thing. It's going to be a strange feeling for veteran Seahawks players to be playing. At home and, and, have it, have it be like, uh, you know, Russell Wilson described it as playing a minor league baseball game, uh, last week in Atlanta when they played. Now that didn't stop them from playing well, but it will be a different feeling at home for sure. So, you know, without the home field advantage, I think it's a toss up, but, um, uh, I, I, you know, I think the Seahawks, uh, have, have got the momentum going and have got what it takes to win it.
1: Well, that sounds good. And what's on your agenda for the weekend?
0: Be watching that. And, and, uh, thankfully, John, hopefully watching the skies clear and, and uh, getting out and about again after just a a rotten week, a bad week, bad air. all that's finally going away, it sounds like.
1: Well, you hope you can get out there and do it and stay out of the rain, but then maybe Sunday take a walk before the game starts. John,
0: I'll be fine in the rain, man, as long as the air is better.
1: There you go. That's our Daily Dose of the Grosby with Dave Grosby. Dave, thank you, and we'll talk on Monday.
0: Sounds great,
1: John. Okay, and, of course, I'll be back uh, 8 to 9 taking your phone calls tomorrow. And, of course, DJ Wilder, thanks for doing a good job uh, this week. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are out to uh, Curtis Rogers. I know it's just it's, it's a, it's a leg injury, and it's just going to take some time, and he'll be back, but, uh, DJ, thanks.
3: Yeah, of course, and uh, I'll uh, talk to you next week, John.
1: Okay, sounds good. And this is John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.